You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. The award-winning Crunch Time. Highest draft pick the Hawks have had since Cyril Rioli. He thought about playing on. He went back into traffic. Then he found space and he was good enough to finish regardless. He does play footy the right way, will they? Hand pass to Smith. This is for the lead. Remarkable stuff from the Hawks. Wiedering fisted it away from O'Brien. Gunston oh. was allowed to attract the footy. Left Liam Jones in his wake. Hawthorne have picked five in a row. And he does soccer it off the ground into a dangerous position. O'Meara squeezed it to his boot. And the Hawks have got another. O'Brien fed it to Impey from the angle. That'll be sweet. The Hawks players descend on their returning Jarman MP. The reports of Hawthorne's demise seemed entirely justified for about a quarter of an hour. But at the ends, they're greatly exaggerated. One of the fine wins of Alistair Clarkson's career from 31 points down to 31 point winners. For the result of the group to, to stand up and five goals down at 20 points in the game, it says a little bit about the group, the character of them. We're really pleased that. We found a way to get ourselves back into the game in the first instance, which was hard work to do after such a, a dominant start by Carlton. But, but then to get away with the game was really pleasing. The Hawks stop the rot in a dramatic reversal of fortunes. The obituaries turn up as the Hawks roll out some of their greatest hits. So what to make of Alistair Clarkson's team now? Port Adelaide have defended their position atop the AFL table, but for Melbourne, it's back to hell. They were god-awful tonight. And they open themselves up to all manner of scrutiny. That's as poor as the performance we've put on this year. You know, for the majority of the year, we've you know, improved our method, we've improved our stability, we've improved a lot of things, but you know, tonight's unacceptable. You know, all phases of the game, just not to the level. And they continually serve this up year after year after year, and they've got to own it. It was an insipid performance. Your inability to execute fundamental skill levels was shambolic. Goodwin's got a good list. There is zero consistency. He's ducked and weaved. He's bloody made of Teflon. The club's going to Henry's members and supporters because um, a lot of them are becoming like me. We're starting not to care anymore. Um, and that's very, very unhealthy. We are a culturally correct football club. Perennially underperforming for the last 50, 20 years. The margins in the frenzy have been big and the losing costly. But for Melbourne, the reaction was swift and it was damning. And it was led from the president down. Where to next for the battling demons? This is Crunch Time. The winning at the pointy end has been powerful. Richmond, Port Adelaide, Brisbane in succession. The losing, well, that is the subject of much debate. On crunch time for Clean Away, Stockdale and Lego. 
and McDonald's. Hot, juicy burgers at Macca's. Jared Waitley with you. Kane Corns is with me. Kane, hello. Hello, Jared. Uh, good to be here. And a, a crazy couple of days of footy, and it's been exceptional. I've loved it. There's been some poor games, but there's been some um, surprising results. Looking forward to the rest of the round. Luke Hodge is in place. Uh, Hodgie, I had your words ringing in my ears right through last night's call with the Hawks just to hold until they got to a bigger ground. Welcome. <laughs> yes, thanks, Jared. I, uh, I guess that backfired last week on the SCG, but I guess the con conditions wasn't suited for, for Hawthorne. But I was shocked last night when I looked back and it was 31 to 0. And then they just kept pegging away, pegging away. And to get up and, and win like they did was a, an outstanding performance. And Sam Edmund is in place to dissect it all. Sam, hello. Jared, when this is over, Dreamworld should open up a new roller coaster. We'll call it the AFL 2020. It goes up and down, up and down. We've never seen week to week or day to day like this, have we? For so many teams, one minute they're the best they've ever been in a flag chance. And then days later they're insipid and they need to make drastic changes. But... There's some steady hands at the wheel now, aren't there? The big teams are emerging. They might be the teacup rides at Dreamworld <laughs> next year because they're safe, they're steady, and they're coming to the fore. All right, we've got a jam-packed hour to work through. So, Kane, let's start with Hawthorne and Carlton because uh, it was the most dramatic of storylines. 31 points, and we're looking at them thinking, I'd rarely seen a Clarkson team so listless. And then they found a toehold. They found it through... Sam Frost, and they built on their position from there. By half-time, they had their opponents utterly punch-drunk, and by the end, they were the source of much reassessment. Well, I'm going to come at it from a different angle. Uh, Jared, as, as sometimes I, I often can, is this win going to do Hawthorne more harm than good? Now, Hodge <laughs> can speak about this with more accuracy than what I can, but I look at their best players, and it's the same It's the same core group of guys. It's Mitchell, it's O'Meara, it's Gunston, it's Bruth, it's Smith. Um, is this... Is this the wallpaper over the cracks that maybe the club didn't need? Oh, I said last week was the, the loss that they had to have to actually understand where they are at, the Hawks. Has this win gone well, for, for Clark? Oh, hang on. Maybe we are still a good side. Maybe we can top up again at the end of the year and maybe things aren't as bad as what they were for the last month. So I'm actually not sure this win is going to do them any good. I admire, uh, don't, don't get me wrong, I admire the fight and I admire the turnaround because I didn't see that coming. I thought they could have easily turned their toes up like Melbourne did uh, on Thursday night. So I admire that about them. Don't get me wrong. But... In the long term, will this win do them more harm? Luke? Uh, he's actually got a fair point there. I remember no. That two, two <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking that when, when Kane said that, I remember in 2009 it was the same thing. We were trying to say this, like, stick with the same game style and we beat Collingwood, who went on to play in the grand final the next year by 50 points. And Clarko's mindset was, hey, we're back. We've got our, we've got our mojo back. Let's keep going with, with what we were doing. And we ended up missing the finals and changed the whole thing round eight the following year. Um, and I know, I know his mindset would be that's that's the confidence that he had to see in that group from the turnaround on like they did. It showed a lot of spirit, as you said after the game. No, I don't think anyone pictured that. Not even Clarko. But to be 31 points down and then to outscore them as they did in the last three and a half quarters was amazing fight back. But. I, he's he's going to keep pushing the way he is. He he has so much belief in that group. And as he as he sort of said, he didn't back down. Even with the fact of Segler and the ruck, McAvoy sent half back. Everyone was saying, "What are you doing?" And he he stuck fat with that decision. And they end up beating Richmond and and, and stay there. So he he has full belief in that group. Uh, and a, a 
the performance that they showed on the weekend will just give him more confidence that this is what they can do. And looking at the players, that was the most life I've seen out of the Hawthorne players in a month of football. Uh, and I think it started with Isaac Smith. They're, they're 31 points down, and, and Will Day's lined up for a shot at goal. Isaac puts a block on for him. He goes around, kicks it, and then Isaac jumps over him because it's his first first goal in senior football. And you could sort of see that spark. And I think that was the belief that that they got from from Isaac. And then Isaac goes and kicks one, and then Liam Shield does, and they build on from that. So you can sort of see that the belief still is there in the players once once they get it, I guess, flowing, and, and they're allowed to get a bit excited after some good plays. So Warple and Mitchell played well together. Um, which might have been the first time that they've found full cohesion there. Is it, look, When they were 31 points down, you're looking everywhere going, oh, my God, Isaac Smith's, the, the end is coming for him, Sean Burgoyne. Is, you could sort of pick your way through the checklist that we'd been amassing. And then I do think by the end you had to at least tear the checklist up. Oh, I thought it was... In, so the day before, Alistair Clarkson had spoken about essentially what an unhappy camp they were. They haven't enjoyed the hub I think you sort of get the vibe from the outside that uh, there's been a bit of grizzling going on and then they settle and, and play footy like that. I just wonder what that that has to be worth plenty for them. Yeah, well, it will be and it will give the, the group belief and they, and they probably go on and they probably finish ninth this year, Jared. <laughs> yeah. they, they, they may finish ninth. I don't think, they'll, I don't think from here they'll, they'll make the eight. Um, but then the question is, and what, what I'm fascinated by is what they do for the next two years. I mean, I mean what does Alistair Clarks want to do in the next two years? Because I don't believe this group can go to the next level um, and it's going to be tough to do that with the ageing players that you've just mentioned. So what does the next two years look like? It's going to be fascinating for me. Now, that win was great yesterday and, and I hope all the Hawthorne fans enjoy it. But I'm more looking long-term down the track in, in, in what this side is going to look like when and if Sam Mitchell takes over. Jared, my little fella, he's four years old, was playing Minecraft yesterday. He turned to me and he said something I've never heard him say. And he said, Dad, trust the process. <laughs> Which I thought was extraordinary for a four-year-old. But when has a guy's resume got to be good enough where we just kick back and go, the guy probably knows what he's doing. Albeit they're in a tricky spot at the moment. He's won four premierships, had untold success at the club. Maybe, just maybe, he's got it figured out long term. Well, we're not, we're not questioning whether he can coach, Sam. No, no one has ever done that. But this is a game where you are levelled out regardless of how good a coach you are. You are levelled out by the draft, by the salary cap and by the success that they've had. Like, no one can stay up forever. And, and Sydney have realised that and they're now going through um, what they need to do to get to that next point and chase the next premiership. I mean, Clarko can do this and he can be good enough to get them in and amongst the finals, but what's the next premiership going to look like? It's certainly not going to have Burgoyne and Frawley and um, no, Stratton but no, no one's saying no one, no one had them in the premiership mix this year, did they? Oh, I, I know a certain coach that did. Yes. <laughs> I, I think what, what with Clarker, he he's wants to be a man of his word, and there's no doubt he went after Patton and said, we're not going to rebuild. We've got the guys in our group that can push for a flag this year. He would have said the same to Jager, the same to Tommy Mitchell when he came across. Um, same to Scully. So that's where he's sitting there going that he still believes it and he doesn't want to go against his word to these guys. Otherwise, who knows, Patton might have went somewhere else. Jager could have went somewhere else if, if they were going to go through another uh, rebuild as as they've done in the past. Uh, so that's I reckon that's the big thing that's pulling with him as well is, yes, he has belief in them, but he's also sat there with these guys, looked him in the eye and said, this is what my plan is and it's going to take 
a, a fair bit more than this to actually make him go away from it. And the question is now maybe are they still the destination club, obviously? Now that the success has sort of faded from view or the chance of it in the, in the short term, do they still are they still able to pull those names? Well, I, I don't think so. I think uh, if you look at the blokes that they've gone after the last the last few years, um, Lynch is one uh, who who's looked at that and gone on. There's been a lot of other midfielders that have sort of made their way back to Victoria and they've sort of looked at Hawthorne and gone, maybe not the right fit. We might go to someone else who's emerging. Uh, and, the, yeah, they're probably not the destination club they once were eight years ago. Kane, what's news out of Adelaide? Tex is out. Um, so the, the Crows flew to the Gold Coast today. Um, in fact, they're playing at the Gabba, aren't they, against North Melbourne shortly in about two hours. So Tex is out of that side with Gastro. He is a late out. Uh, Kieran Strawn comes into the Crows side. He's going to play his first game. Mm. On a, a very winnable game. That is, that's most untimely. Um, the Carlton side of the coin from yesterday, Kane. Well, I can't get a read on them because, and if you look at the ebbs and flows of their game, they're 42 points up against Geelong. They hang on, they win by two points just. They're 30 points up against North Melbourne. They win by a goal. 31 up against Hawthorne and lose by 31 points. So the uh, fluctuations in-game of what they're delivering is just not reflective of a side that is ready to go to that next step. So whatever hope that Carlton fans thought that they might sneak into the finals and experience that again this year... That form line and the inconsistencies in-game speaks to a side that isn't ready to go to that next step. And it can't be fitness. It's got to be mindset of the players or, or change of tactics because you can't go and dominate a team so easy and then the later in games just drop away so much. So it's got to be either the, the history of what the players have been through where they, as soon as a, an opposition scores a couple goals or they make a mistake, that automatically it's gone back into shutdown mode. I don't want to hit that short 45 kick or I don't want to switch the ball just in case I made a mistake. So I guess that, that builds up over years of doing the right thing, but that's, that's surely got to have crept into the mindset of a lot of the, the Carlton players. So in the call, as Paddy Cripps had those moments late in the second term where all momentum was against them, but they were still leaders... Uh, he took all the time that he needed over a set shot, but he knew he was outside his range and then got himself into a bind. And then Harry Mackay took a mark on the lead and instead of letting Harry go back and do the same thing from range to kick the steadier, he went rushing by, demanding the ball and, and missed the shot. So we grade the champions on a really high curve. Um, that he, he had the chance twice to steady them when they still had a lead and came by halftime. I've never seen a team so punch drunk. They were going to concede goal after goal after goal after goal. And if O'Brien doesn't spill the mark on the on the halftime, sorry, they're down by 19. And if it had gone 10 more minutes, they would have been 50 points behind. Yeah, and I saw them do similar to Port Adelaide. Like Carlton were... So the games that they should have won uh, this year, there's, there's probably three or four of them where you think, well... This could be looking a lot better. They, they should have beaten Port Adelaide. They had their chances to do that. They made some mistakes later, and Robbie Gray did what he did. Um, the same yesterday. Like You've got to bury teams when they're in that position, and it's always a dangerous lead when you're, when you're five goals up. And I was listening to you call, Jared, and, and you basically were saying, well, the good thing for Hawthorne is that it's early in the game and they've got time to get themselves back in. So, yeah, the Crips moments was interesting. Uh, I noticed Gary was doing his best plays. He didn't put... Cripps in the best players because of that, even though his numbers were pretty strong and, and 19 contested possessions. But he needs help through that midfield. I think they're a small midfield when you when you take out Cripps. That they remind me a little bit of Essendon's midfield as well. Who's the next bigger body in there that can really make a statement? So um, there's serious yeah questions that need answering at the Blues. And unfortunately, they haven't had their full forward line as well. Like I can't wait to see 
McGovern uh, and McKay and Kurnow in that in that forward line. They haven't had that, but that's not an excuse for what went down yesterday. Sam, how was the viewing from a navy blue perspective? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Kay mentioned the other team you could throw in there was Melbourne. That they've been in command at stages of games, haven't they? And first, remember the dialogue at the start of the season. Well, they start slow. They start slow. Well, now they finish slow, don't they? And, and I think what's clear is they just at the moment, as Kane alludes to, can't be trusted just to maintain the rage for every minute of every game. And whether or not that's the natural evolution of a young side or um, not enough leaders, as Hodgie's pointing out, maybe when the tables are turned, and it wasn't so much that Carlton changed anything at quarter time, was it? It was that Hawthorne changed everything. And they shut the exits, and Carlton just couldn't figure it out. And uh, they just couldn't stem the tide when they most needed to. And that's been a trend that's that's emerged. Are, are we expecting too much from Carlton, considering they've just got a new coach? Yes, they won a lot of games towards the end of the season last year, but mm. clubs normally do that if you look at North Melbourne. And they won a couple of close ones earlier this year. We're we expecting too much, considering they are still the really long, a really young list. And 12 months ago, we were saying how much trouble they were in. Mm. I think when you get yourself into positions like that, though, Hodgie, like, and, and you've been at a young Brisbane side where you are in positions to win games like that. So the the excuse for are we expecting too much? Well, it's it's got to be now. Like, the, the time's now. No one really says when, when it's your time to win. And we've seen young sides, you know, do extraordinary things in the past. What's the excuse yesterday for that? And what's the excuse for giving up, you know, 40-point leads this year? Is that youth? Is that a lack of leadership? Uh, what, what, what is the Murphys of the world doing? You know, what's Cripps' leadership like? Doherty's back in. So I think we should be expecting a more from a Carlton side who have had a lot of picks and a lot of talent and have added up to that list. And they're good enough. They've shown it. For whatever reason, they just they switch off. I think the main thing with that, though, is they've never been in this position because mm. Cripps and Murphy, for a lot of their careers, they've been out of the game, so they can go and do whatever they want. When they're 30 points down, it doesn't really matter. This is really the first... The last 12 months has been the first time they're consistently in games, and they're still learning. There's no doubt Cripps, next time he's in the same position, he'll go back and either with composure, put it to the top of the goal square, give it to someone running past who can make the distance. He'll make a pretty clear decision because he's been in that position before. It's the same as the other games that they've lost throughout the year. They've made mistakes. Um, you go back in other teams that we've played in. My first year at Brisbane, we were zip eight, and we could have won five of those games. We spent the whole off-season that year going through and look at all the close games that we lost and why we lost them. So as long as they're reviewing the games and learning from them, in 12 months' time, they're going to be in a better position. But I think they're experiencing something right now that they haven't done their whole career because they just haven't had a good enough team to be in those positions. And you wonder I if think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair, Sam. So they, they had the issue of their starts. I remember they were starting so yeah. Poorly, so they they went away, and they addressed that. What what happens then? You focus so much on one aspect of your game that the rest of it is neglected, and that, and that that's what happens with younger sides. So once you focus intently on your ball movement, your defensive action can suffer as a result because you haven't spent the time on it. So, I think what Hodgie's saying is a fair point that uh, in the off season, but for Carlton fans who are, who are watching this, thinking, "Geez, why is this happening?" <laughs> it's we are good enough. We've kicked. <laughs> we've we've made Port Adelaide look silly, and Port Adelaide are on top of the ladder for 20 minutes of a game. So the frustration, yeah, certainly there for Blues fans. Luke, you were and there. I, I think, yep. gone. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll think with those two. The two games where they sh been in front or, or they should have won was Port Adelaide. Now were very 
senior team. And they having, having a coach that's been around for a long time with a senior team, they can flick in between modes of their game style from quarter to quarter. Uh, Hawthorne, even though they haven't played great football, they were able to flick the switch at quarter time, make a few changes and play the way that they've played in the past. So I think that's the hardest thing with a new coach with a younger team who haven't been in that position coming up against the Port Adelaide and the Hawthorne who have a, who've had a coach in their t- uh, coach their side for a long period of time who know their senior players and who can tweak their game style. The winning's been powerful at Richmond, Port Adelaide, Brisbane. So you were at Metricon last night, Luke, to see the Lions do a real number on the Bombers. Is What impression did the winners leave you with? Uh, I thought it was a... a going to be a really good game. I thought Essendon, their game short because uh, of the Melbourne buy that they had, but they played some really good football. Uh, their last game at Metricon was against the Bulldogs, I think, and I think Bulldog, Bulldogs showed them up defensively and they couldn't let them get any run out of the back line. And I think from the start, the Lions uh, got the ball out. They played the ball. They got the ball in their half and just pretty much kept it in there. A lot of their kicks, rather than going sideways to a to a person by himself and they're getting held up. Whenever they were in doubt, they just got it long into their Ford 50 and they were able to get a few crumb and goals and, and they were able to set up behind the ball. So uh, they were impressive. They probably didn't capitalise early with, with all the ball they had. Uh, and then to Eston's credit, in the second half, in the second quarter, they defended really well and, and scored the only goal of the quarter. But then uh, the Lions come out, kick five goals, one point in the, in the third quarter and just own the game. And from that, it was it was not much of a game. It was, it was just a washout. But the, the Lions looked good. Um, Lockie Neal ran around by himself for a lot of the night, yeah. had 33, <laughs> kicked two. Charlie Cameron, they had a couple of different blokes go to him. But I think when they had the they had that much space in the, in the forward line that he ended up kicking four, uh, and, and their defence, they had no Ainsworth come in and do a roll on Tip and Woody, which really shut him out of the game. He had, he was a bit sore during the third quarter, and Alex Witherden, who, who also came in for his first game since round one, uh, had mid-20s and, and helped set up the, the ball transition. So they looked really good last night. Kane? Yeah, well, there's only a certain amount of teams, and we speak about it on Mondays, Jared, that we can trust this year, and, and certainly Brisbane have been one of those all year. And that's when you're sort of looking for a form line and you're looking for who is, you know, in the premiership race, who can you trust this year? So Port Adelaide, we're certainly starting to. It's taken us some time to get to that point. Richmond, no doubt you can trust their game style. Brisbane have been there the whole way through, and then and West Coast. So there's probably four teams in the whole competition at the moment we can trust. Collingwood perhaps, but their injuries are a bit going to be a concern for them. And Brisbane, they, they want for nothing. They have they have talent. They have a bit of experience. They've got speed. They are tough, led by Lockie Neal, who is a tough footballer and, and leads so well. So, no, I'd be... Uh, they're sitting beautifully, uh, the Brisbane Lions, and, and did nothing to um, persuade us from that last night. Just to go on from our conversation before about Carlton and them being in that position, Lockie Neal spoke to me after the game and he said how they learn a lot against Geelong when teams come out after halftime and, and have a crack at them. And they had a mindset that they had to really put the foot down and have a, a really good start to the third quarter. So that's that's another one of those examples where the Lions have been through those bad times where he said that was probably the worst quarter of football against Geelong that they've played since he's been at the football club. So I think that's what they've been through, they've learnt and they're getting better at. I think that's where Carlton is still those 12, 18 months behind where the Lions and these other teams that have been through it. 
Jared, I don't think we're going to get the Cinderella story. Perhaps a lot of the neutrals might want this year with the unprecedented nature of the game. I mean, by tomorrow night, the top eight could be set. I mean, assuming GWS beats Gold Coast, Collywood beats Fremantle, they're both in the top eight at the expense of Essendon and the Western Bulldogs. So it would be in no particular order. Port, Brisbane, Richmond, Geelong, St Kilda, West Coast, Collywood and GWS. Some familiar names in there, even if St Kilda would, might be the neutrals darling. So... For everything this season's given us, the, the big teams, as you've alluded to off the top, they're coming back to the fall. Yeah, we've got the big boy football. That's it's starting to separate a little bit. Um, on the Essendon side of things, Kane, is they don't give you any cause to trust them as they mm. they do roll out this performance. Um, it's not the first time we've seen it. I mean, they were, they were totally overmatched last night. Outmatched and um, perhaps, you know, got Adelaide at a good time last week, um, but probably should have lost that game. If they were playing anyone else other than Adelaide last week, they'd probably lose that. And the Crows had a couple of shots on goal to win it late yesterday. So to kick you know, three goals for a game of footy is, you know, regardless of the players that they've got out. Um, they, they've teased us a little bit this year and at times you, you get sucked in uh, a little bit like we got sucked in by the Western Bulldogs in Melbourne throughout the year. And uh, probably the same happened with Melbourne, but... Yeah, Essendon, uh, you wouldn't think going to feature too prominently on the back of that performance. What do you think live, Luke? Uh, yeah, you probably have to back. I, I do agree with, with Kane. With the, you look at the injuries, Cal Hooker, Heppel, Stringer, Danaher, Ambrose, Fantasia, Langford, Laverde. That, that's a fair crop of their main guys. And, and the fact that they are a young group coming through, that, that takes a lot of their more senior, um, more experienced guys out. But as you said, they, they just couldn't get their run. They couldn't get their run off the half-back line. Uh, the t- two or three times they did, they looked really nice, got the ball out into space and went, but it just didn't happen consist- consistently enough. Uh, the, the old holding the ball rule, Andrew McGrath. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that's, I know it's been, it's been a bean in my bonnet. And it's not the umpires. <laughs> I'm still saying it's not the umpires' fault. Um, they're that confused. They're more confused than what we are. But it's one of those ones where you, we're going to stage where it's going to be a game of soccer, where blokes are going to be kicking the ball off the ground. Uh, they won't want to go and pick it up. It's, um, I'm not sure what else you could do. They both grabbed the ball. He slot, slid on the ground, picked it up. Jared Lyons semi-tackled him, but semi had tug of war with the ball and he got pinned for holding the ball so it was, it was scratching your head stuff I, I need to speak about this I, I love Hodge's work on the boundary because he, he just calls it as he is and if there's ever a, a, a semi-report he's always on the player's side he's on the player's side on this one this is an issue that was forecast by Brett Ratton on Monday night after the Crows game now now Rats was a ball player for those that remembered him he was in and under he was tough he said after that Crows game what this rule is going to do, it's going to deter the player from going and winning the footy. And, mm. I, and I don't ever want to get to a stage where we have players second-guessing their reward for going and winning the footy. And that's what happened last night. Now, it's, it's one instance. I'm sure the AFL will come out and say they got it wrong. But what's going to happen is it's going to deter ball players from going and winning it and having other players like Seagull sweating off. We're going to come back to this. We need to. We haven't quite finished just yet. You're listening to Crunch Time for Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. Kane Corns and Luke Hodge, they found a cord on Hawthorne. I couldn't have been more startled. Jared Whaley and Sam Edmund with you. Uh, we are mid-discussion on the on the umpiring out of last night, particularly oh. the contentious holding the ball paid against Andrew McGrath, which everybody has a similar view of. Let me ask you this, Jerry. No, can I ask first, is, has the AFL given any ruling yet? No, and that's what I was going to ask you. Do you expect, because they've been good in this regard, they've put their hand up this year when they've made a blue or the umpires have made a mistake uh, and put their hand up and said, we apologise, we got that one wrong. Do you think they will do that with this? I'm not sure that they will. Why? 
I think if you go through the checklist, so I don't want to be misunderstood here, all right? I don't want to be misunderstood saying this is right. But if you go through the checklist, did Andrew McGrath dive down to his knees and take possession of the footy oh, by dragging it in? checklist. No, no, but this that is what will happen today, Luke. <laughs> I, un- I understand that. So just but let's that... work through the checklist first. Let's work through <laughs> the checklist first. I hate the checklist. First. <laughs> it's <laughs> like when you go to the tribunal. Did, did, you, did he go to his knees and take he, possession of the footy? He slid in on his knees and put both hands on the football. So at that stage, under the laws of the game, he, is, he has to successfully dispose of the football. However, Jared. Is it not true that he and Jared Lyons both put their mitts on the ball simultaneously? I'm not sure Lyons is relevant in that moment. So McGrath takes possession of the football by diving on it. I reckon the umpire pays a free kick not for the Lions. I reckon he doesn't pay it until McCarthy tackles him. So I think I think what will happen is they'll go, McGrath dived at the foot, he took possession. And then when he gets legally tackled by McCarthy, he loses possession of the footy. Thus, he didn't meet his obligation to dispose of the ball after diving on it. Gee, that's harsh. (laughs) I I I don't want to be misunderstood. They're banging down the doors. They've come running into the studio. (laughs) I'm not sure that it'll be viewed as the wrong decision. No, I I think you're right. I reckon they'll come and say, due to the the letter of the law, this is what he did. But it's like the tribunal. They they write the rules, so then they've got an out no matter which way they go. If there had been a a ball up, the excuse would have come back and said, no, Jared Lyon had his hands on the ball. They clearly had it. There was no chance of getting rid of it, so it's a ball up. So either way they go, they can use how they've written the rule to make it. But to the people who watch football, to people who love football, that is a ball up. It's got to stink yeah. about it. <laughs> oh, the rule's maybe wrong. it worked up a bit, but, but I think Kane's wrong. Hang on, the, hang on. What if, part of the rule? The, the, the rule's not wrong. No, no, no. It well, might have been. If that's a free kick, the rule's wrong. I, I don't, the game I has care. been better served, Kane, by penalising the player who dives on the ball and pulls it under him. I'm not sure that's a dive him. by the letter no, of the No, no, no. That, but that, that is going to your knees. I don't think that's yeah. going to your he's knees. He's not on his tummy. He's not on his tummy and sucking it in, is he? Yeah, no, he's gone to his knees, he's got up and he's trying to get rid of it. He can't because one Brisbane Lions tack- player tackles in, then the other one comes in. You've got to reward the guy going and winning the footy. If you're a full-on dive and you drag the ball back into your stomach and you line it and you make no attempt to get rid of it, of course, p- pay a free kick, pay holding the ball. But if that is holding the ball, the rule's wrong. Jared, I don't like this. I've agreed with Kane twice. Today. I know. <laughs> She's not on. What's wrong with you? I feel ill. <laughs> and the, the bit that's getting missed in the debate is that the tackle is not Lions. The tackle is McCarthy. But but if they both put their hands on the ball at the same time, how is any, one more culpable than the other? Lions didn't dive on the footy. That diving, you reckon? The diving. Uh, anyway, as under, I say, I know people that. will completely misunderstand what I'm saying and no, saying no, that I think it's the yep. right decision. I don't. But I'm working through the protocol. Yeah, this yeah, is the, how the umpire yep. will be judged. And I actually think the umpire's department will probably say to the umpire... Yep, you. That, that's okay. We, we understand how you made that decision. Just looking up on the website here, uh, Kane and Luke, witness protection programs for Jared. <laughs> we'll get him in one after this. <laughs> can we can we get Chris Fagan to come out and voice his opinion like Clarko did to get him to change the rule yes. again? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was another that was another thing Hodgie and I agreed on was the influence that Clarko had. I, I'm, I'm going a bit off track here, but what did you make of the Stephen Hawking writing to the coaches and saying and issuing basically a warning, saying just know your place and be careful about the criticism because I didn't think 
Certainly the criticism from Ken Hinckley after the St Kilda game where he just alluded to some frustrations. He certainly wasn't critical of the umpires and had some understanding. Brett Ratton was the other one. Simon Goodwin with the VAR and, and when they went upstairs, not the VAR, the ARC, he was critical of that. And then there's the Clarko one with Sydney saying that they had an extra uh, umpire on the field was almost pushing the lines. But don't we want the coaches, Jared, to be sharing how they're feeling in the press conference, as long as they're not singling out an umpire, as long as they're not... Um, they know the rules, they know the boundaries, and I didn't think any of the coaches crossed those boundaries and was worthy of an explanation from Stephen Hawking and or a warning. Did you think... Uh, so did you think Clarkson crossed the line? Yes or no? I thought... I thought so he uh, said it felt like they no. had an extra player. Oh, that's a... No. No? I, I don't... Th- in full context of what he said... I don't think he singled out one particular umpire. Like, for example, the James Hurd example, I know we're going back 20 years on the footy show when he singles out a particular umpire. I don't think Clarko did that. Um, and the AFL didn't either because they didn't punt, they didn't penalise him. Um, no, Clarko's learned from that. Well, I think we had a game against Geelong about 10 years ago when he said that number 17 for Geelong was the player. <laughs> and there was no number 17 for Geelong. Because <laughs> what's the point putting the coaches up? I mean, they, they can give us a straight bat and, and the Neil Craig answers that Craigie gave when he was Crows uh-huh. coach for 10 years. And that, that'll, that'll bore the life out of you. There's but... plenty of room for colour without saying it felt like with the umpiring decisions there was an extra man on the field, though, surely. But he may have he may have felt that way. Fine. There's many things they think that they don't say. Yeah, no, I think we want a bit of personality and we want you know, this is straight after a game. He's lost three in a row, he's getting smashed. We want some and I'll be the first to criticise Clarko when I when I think he deserves it, like he did after the holding the ball discussion. But in that instance, and certainly in the Ken Hinckley and the Simon Goodwin and the Brett Ratton one, that they're allowed to say that. That's what fans want to hear. That's what we want to hear. So what, at what wanted... point does it get to the NRL, Kane, where the coaches walk in and their starting point is just to bag the refs? Well, I think we, we know that. And I think our coaches know that by the way that they, they talk. I mean, the, the way that Ken Hinckley was very careful in the way that he clearly expressed his frustration without crossing the line... And the other examples I've given, I can't, I can't remember the last time a coach crossed the line. Uh, and I just didn't think it was worthy of a please explain um, it, to, the, to the way they handled it. You can't get better theatre anyway than Alistair Clarkson saying, no one plays for free is better than Tom Papley. And then John Longmire's response. I mean, that's yeah. the theatre we want. Yeah, yeah. And um, Luke, is, is it possible, I really enjoyed the discussion, there were those who thought Clarkson's the master manipulator and then Gary and Tim have got to know him pretty well just said, no, 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 he's just a bad loser. And in those moments, he can't control it. <laughs> uh, no, I've seen him grumpy when he's won. So, uh, <laughs> it's not sure but I, I think that's that's what we're sort of saying. He's come out. He's seen. He gave his opinion from a game, and because of his presence in the game, the AFL panicked and reacted from that. So, I reckon the, the coach is still allowed to say what they believe from the game, whether it's a few decisions here or there, as long as they do it in a respectful way and they don't. Put the umpiring de- they put the umpire down. They're allowed to be honest in their appraisal of it, just mm. the same as they are about their players, what they did, good and bad. But as I said, we don't want to get to a stage where they're coming in post game and, and ripping shreds through the through the refs. Uh, but they've got to be able to review the game and, and speak 
open openly if as long as they do it in the right way. All right, we're a long way in on crunch time. We haven't got to Melbourne yet. Before we do, we just want to touch base with the Hawks. Go see Beth at Frankston Tire Power and right now save on Falcon Wild Peak four-wheel drive tyres. So let's head west. It was an incredible performance last night. Sam Frost was the fire starter. Gary Lyon had it picked. There was a moment where they hadn't scored. He took off out of fullback. He showed the way. It set up the Will Day goal. Sam, welcome to crunch time. How you going, guys? Uh, how do you reflect on what took place in the West yesterday? Uh, yeah, interesting one. Um, it was feeling all a bit like deja vu in that first quarter after the last few weeks. But, uh, no, nah, we just sort of stayed positive and, and, yeah, took care of our contested stuff and everything kind of flowed from there. So when it was five goals to nil, what was your sense out on the ground? Um, oh, it's obviously not ideal. And well, I think we did a pretty good job of not getting too disheartened it's frustrating obviously when um you know we're all we're all trying to get ourselves up after a long month and and we have a start like that but yeah i think we i think we did a good job of staying positive and the moment where you you took off out of out of fullback set the play up down the field what well, just seize the moment try to try to gain some sort of momentum yeah i think so we had a we had a bit of a discussion about um you know particularly Backs getting involved in our offense and trying to create some ball movement. We've been a little bit stagnant, um, yeah, and the opportunity came up and just sort of went for it. So yeah, it's good to good to have some involvement. Kane, yeah, well, it was an impressive fight back. Um, take us through inside the change rooms at, at quarter time and what turned it around. Um, yeah, it really, it really all kind of revolved around our our contested ball. I think we were down by. Yeah, dozen odd um, contested possessions and it was really hurting us um, yeah and just just a bit of a slow start but no we, we turned that around in the second quarter I think uh, we sort of were up the same amount we were down after the second quarter and it, yeah so it really set the game up for us and Jarman Impey's return significant yeah oh, he's he's such a well-loved player around the club I've, I've only been here a short amount of time but yeah everybody loves him so it was a, a huge moment having him back in the team for everyone and, and the year he's had in rehab. Um, and you could see when he when he kicked that goal and, and the energy it created for the group, uh, it was massive for us. Luke? Yeah, Sam, uh, when I was at Hawthorne, Clark had loved coaching from the bench and, and lately they've had Sam Mitchell down on, down on the bench. What's the move behind that? Uh, I've got no idea, to be honest. I've, um, I'm not privy to those sort of discussions, but it, for all I know, it could be a, a restrictions thing on... Numbers on the bench due to COVID. I actually have no idea, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, with your with your move over, how have you found it? Because Hawthorne have, have lacked uh, speed off the half back line. That Birchall used to do it for them. Um, have they given you the free run just to go and take the game on and, and do what you want? Yeah, it's been it's been really good for me, and, and they've backed me in. And yeah, I guess they've given me a bit of a license to play that way. Um, that's sort of what I've been doing at Melbourne, and I guess that's that's why they recruited me. So. Uh, yeah, they're they're really happy for me to take the game on a bit and explore within reason. Um, but no, they've been they've been really supportive and, and really backed me in. Sam, it's Sam Edmund here. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Just on that Pleasure. question from Hodgie, Frostball, as it was known at Melbourne, hasn't made its way to Hawthorne. How how has that come about? Have you been reprogrammed, as they say in the industry, or is it just simply the structure that Hawthorne play at? Take, tell us what you can and can't do with the ball at Hawthorne that perhaps you, you was different to Melbourne. Uh, to be honest, there's no, there's, there's nothing I, I sort of am allowed or not allowed to do. A lot of the frostball stuff, which uh, Goodwin sort of 
came out with um, is real opportunistic stuff. To be honest, it's not a matter of someone telling me to be you know less aggressive or anything. It just it's not something I go out of my way to look for. It just happens or it doesn't. So no, there's been no instruction around that. It just sometimes sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Did okay. You, and, and did you feel at all demeaned by that the mm. way that became a phrase in footy? No, no, not at all. I, I quite enjoyed it. It, it because it, the part of it was, um, I mean, if you ask fans, it's probably a criticism about composure and decision making. So the way the way Goody spun it actually put a really positive light on it for me, anyway, and it made me feel like you know it was a strength of the team rather than any kind of knock on my ability. So no, I actually I really enjoyed it, and it was fun. It was funny as well. People, you know, within the club, we we had a laugh about it. It was good. It's kept everything kind of lighthearted. So, it was, yeah, it was good. Got a nice little cult following. Tell us about the surface over there at Optus, though, uh, Sammy. Was it slippery? I know Alistair Clarkson post-match made uh, a couple of mentions of how slippery it was on one particular side of the ground and almost like the, the players need to have two sets of footy boots out there while they were playing. What was it like from your perspective? Uh, yeah, I slipped a couple of times. The surface was really good. It may, may have just been a little bit... Um, soft on the on the top layer i put screens on at half time just to just to be safe but um no i mean it was in good condition it may have just been a little bit a little bit wet on top i'm not really sure to be honest it wasn't a huge issue but there were a few a few slips but Mm. no it was okay all a bit bit more settled after last night do you think it is alistair had spoken in the lead up to the game that that it's been a difficult time getting used to the hub and the like Do, do you think winning will help I think it will for sure. It just it takes the edge off everything because obviously, you know, it's it is a, a challenging time um, and a really unusual circumstance. That adapting to that sort of adds a little bit of stress to everything else. Um, so yeah, for sure, winning winning takes a bit of that pressure off, and you know we've got a longer break this week, so hopefully relax a bit and, and settle in and, and kind of reset a bit. That's that's what it feels like. And Sammy, if for whatever reason, as unfortunate as it might be, you do find yourself out of the team. Don't go off uh, looking for any hot chips or anything at, at the ground when you're watching the boys. <laughs> nah, I think I'll be uh, staying in the hotel for a little while. <laughs> Has that been a source of angst? Nah, I think I think when you put uh, across all clubs, you put people in a new situation. There are a lot of restrictions, which we all we appreciate that it's important we follow them. But there's going to be mistakes, so. It's not really created too much um, too much trouble amongst the group. It's, uh, it's just one of those things. It's to be honest, it's bound to happen. Uh, not necessarily within our club, but at some point, you send people away with a new set of rules for a dozen weeks. You know, someone's going to slip up eventually. So look, and it is it is important. I'm not saying we shouldn't take it seriously. We take it very seriously, but it's hard to imagine everything's going to go perfectly. Sam, thanks for your time today and uh, good luck with what comes next. Is Yes, you've got a bit of a foothold out of last night. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for your time, guys. The rapid-fire questions today all relate to Melbourne. For Rapid Tune, they'll keep you moving, rapidtune.com.au. So the damnation was pretty broad and then the President has lent his weight to that in the Herald Sun today, describing the performance soft as butter, disgraceful, and insipid cane corns. It's a reaction like only comes once or twice a season. It doesn't happen very often, does it, Jared? Once or twice a season at most. And usually it's the first you know, warning sign for the coach, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're a long way out from even thinking about Simon Goodwin being removed as coach, but it doesn't paint for a steady and stable football club, even though Goody's got a couple of years left. I, 
I'm just not sure on the selection. I spoke about it yesterday on, on SEN. The midfield is there are probably six midfielders that are exactly the same. Yes, with varying abilities, but same strengths and same styles when Jones and Petraka and Viney and Brayshaw and Oliver are all in there together. It doesn't work. And then you look at the selection of the forward line. Three big talls in slippery conditions up there and a couple of medium-sized um, forwards as well wasn't going to work. So... Uh, spoke to a couple of Port people who, who they played against. They, they couldn't believe. Um, the word that was used was lifeless. Like, even from the interchange bench, there was no instruction. There was no um, fight or voice or, or any energy. So lifeless was the word that came out of the Port camp. They, they couldn't believe it. They were shocked by how poor Melbourne were now. Four-day break, all of that, and teams are going to face that, so we'll get a better indication of the impact that's going to have. But we thought Melbourne were on the right track. We all got sucked in because that was one of the worst performances I've seen this year. What do you think? It was it was startling to call and to observe. Luke, what, what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I was sitting right next to the bench, and, and that was one thing that caught my eye. There was no fight. There was no motivation, not even a little bit of anger that you normally are. Mm. And I, I put it down, down to the, the four-day break. But then you look at Port Adelaide had a five-day break and when things don't go your way early, yes, you can get flat and drop away, but you're right, there was no fight. But what, what I got was that the kicking was, was atrocious. Yeah. Uh, the amount of times that they've gone off one step, kicked it sideways, put it on the full off the side of the boot, mm. and then you look at the other end and Port Adelaide, who were more creative off half-back, you could sort of see they wanted to, the way they wanted to play. They'd, they'd hit a, 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 a mark centre-half back and then they'll try and get as much run as they could off the half-back line just to spark something up. If they couldn't, they would find an uncontested mark and then they'd go long down the line. So they had a system where there was a fast or a slow play. Uh, with Melbourne, it looked like they just tried to get mark a composed possession on every kick. Kick, mark, kick, mark, kick, mark. The one time they did get a, a handball receiver and run and break the lines, uh, they scored a goal from it. So it, was, it just looked like they were very stagnant and as you said, there was no fight from the bench. I think at half time, it was Oliver and Brayshaw both started on the bench. Um, and you sort of sat back and thought, two senior guys might come on with a bit of oomph, but there was just nothing there. And Goody ended up going down to the bench in the second mm. half as well. And normally that gives the players a little bit of motivation. The coaches there to start talking. You just didn't see it. But, yeah, how does it resolve? I mean, this is not the first. I mean, they are now back in. I thought that was part of it. It infected the whole way that they played is how they started and when they started missing targets, they were as acutely aware of it as we were on their disposal inside 50 and it it seemed to ruin all of the rest of what they were trying to do. It's really hard to, to resolve it because they hadn't got a gauge of where they were at. I mean, you, you don't go and recruit the way that they've recruited without thinking you're, you're, getting, you're getting there and you're going to turn it around and, um, you know, Getting Tomlinson in on a four-year deal, he's not playing, so that's not that's not working. Langdon's the same on the back of Lever and May and giving up first-round draft picks in the past couple of years. So clearly they thought, with the group that they had, this was good enough to get back to where they were in 2018. Well, they misjudged it, and and we did as well. Um, but how does it resolve? Well, I just I just don't know because also they've added some. You know, some shiny toys in the coach's box. You go and get Darren Burgess in, who is one of the highest, highly regarded fitness coaches in the game with Andrew Russell. And uh, Alan Richardson comes in, who I rate extremely highly to try and support Simon Goodwin in that director of coaches role. So they've invested heavily in the footy department and the playing list. And I didn't think they thought they would be where they are right now.
So they win two in a row, Jarrett. They beat Gold Coast and Hawthorne. Then they run the flag fancy, the Brisbane Lions, really close. Then they have a stinker. Now, does Glenn Bartlett's blast, which is way out of character, I might add, does it achieve anything? I'll be keen to ask Kane and Luke. He's down here in Melbourne. The team's up there. What does it achieve? It's never going to be answered, unfortunately, in this forum. We can table that question and we will (laughs) see what comes next. Uh, Kane, we'll talk on the means test on Monday. Thank you. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Have a great weekend. And Luke Hodge will talk Tuesday morning. Thanks, guys.